0: Would you find your place in your Bible tonight? We've been in the book of James. We have been in the book of James. And we're in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We're we're not going to finish the chapter tonight. I thought maybe we would, but there's just quite a bit here in these next few verses. Primarily verse 11. And verse 12. Two verses. And if you know me, yes, I can fill up 40 minutes with two verses. So, I'm going to let's just read, let's read from the beginning, actually. Find your place in your Bible. Normally, we would stand for this if you were here. You can stand at home out of reverence for the Word of God. So, James chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. We saw this last week. How We saw that in God's economy, His children come to Him for their needs by asking Him. The world gets what they need by fighting and warring and, and by triangulating and by uh, conniving and and trying to get the upper hand. And and, and, and we know that we don't get what our needs that way. And he says right here in these first few verses, you have not because you ask not. You're, you're going about it in a worldly way, in a worldly manner to try to get what you want. And he goes on to say, verse 3, you have not because you ask not and, and you ask. And receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. You're not even asking for the right reason. You're asking for things that you don't need. You're asking for things just to fulfill your own lust. And verse 4, he says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God." Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And we, when, as believers, when we live our life the way the world lives their life, when we, when we go around uh, our, our needs being met and we go through that by a worldly means, the Bible is saying right here that we are, are as um, unfaithful living in a place of infidelity in with God. And he says we're an enemy... He says, we're at enmity with God, and we are an enemy of God. And we looked at that last week. He said, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, uh, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. When we saw the cure for this, this worldliness in the life of a believer, the cure was humility. To humble yourself before God, turn to God... In a, in, a, in a with a heart of humility and seek him in the way he desires us to seek him. So now here tonight in verse 11 he says "Speak evil one not I'm sorry don't speak evil speak not evil one of another brethren he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law but if thou judge the law, Thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? So we'll be looking at these next two verses, 11 and 12, tonight. Father, would you bless your word tonight? Would you illuminate your word tonight, please? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take you back briefly to Matthew chapter 4. And if you remember, Jesus had been baptized by John. John had the authority to baptize. And Jesus came to John. He said, we we must fulfill all righteousness. And so he was baptized of John. And the Bible says that when he was baptized, he came up out of the water. And he was led away of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted uh, of the devil. And the Bible says that he fasted For forty days and forty nights. Now, at the end of his fasting period, and this is how Satan is, he's a slimy, smarmy, weak individual, and he comes to you when you're weak, he comes to you when you're tired, he comes to you when you're hungry, he comes when you've had an exhausting week, he comes to you when, when just life is in turmoil and upside down, he comes to you at these times, and he will begin to tempt you, and it's exactly what he did to Jesus here, he's hungry, He's fasted. And he comes to him in in verse 4, and Satan says, Hey, why didn't you command these stones to be made into bread? (laughs) You're hungry, right? You're God, right? You have food, make them into bread. And Jesus said uh, that uh, we are not to live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So Jesus rebukes Satan with the word of God. So in verse 5, Satan comes to him again. The Bible says he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, if thou be the Son of God, cast yourself off. Because it's written, now watch this, Satan's quoting scripture too. And he will. He will. It's always out of context. It's always twisted. He said, because, because it is written, he shall give his angel charge over thee, that if thou dash thy foot against a stone, you know he will keep thee, he will protect you from harming yourself. And Jesus turned to him and said, it is written, you know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I love that word thy right there. Satan has a God. He was speaking to his creator. G, John 1, 1, did not Jesus create everything that, that has been created? And he created Satan. And here it is, Satan tempting Jesus to cast himself. And Jesus says, hey, don't tempt me. You, you are to worship the Lord thy God. You know it's so exciting to me? I don't know if we're going to get to the message tonight. But it's exciting in my mind when I visualize one day... When the throngs of all of the universe will stand before Jesus Christ and they'll say, Thou art Lord. Thou art Lord. Thou art Lord. And you're going to hear one just measly little whiny voice one day, bow a knee and say, Thou art Lord. Satan is going to do this someday. He is going to profess Jesus Christ. As King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and Jesus tells him right here, you, should, you are to worship the Lord thy God. And so Satan does it in, and over in verse eight, Satan takes him up. The Bible says to an exceeding high mountain, so that he can look out unto, upon all of the world and see all of the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, "I will give you all of the kingdoms of the world if you, if you worship me." That was his caveat. If you bow down and worship me, and Jesus tells him here again, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. So I want you to notice here in this temptation of Jesus Christ, there were three categories of satanic attack. Three categories. And this is how Satan always attacks. He will attack the same way and in these three categories to us every time. And we find it in 1 John 2 and verse 16 the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it goes on to say in that verse that this is not of the Father, but of the world. Now, notice these three categories the lust of the flesh. That was the first thing that Satan came with Jesus. The natural affections of the flesh. The natural needs of the body. You need to sleep. You need to have some food. You've got to have water. These are natural things of the flesh. But Satan comes to us and he tempts us in the flesh with natural things to be to be uh, satisfied in an unnatural way or outside of the will of God. When Jesus was fasting at this point, it wasn't time for him to eat yet. And Satan came at him with a right thing at a wrong time. Okay, And Jesus resisted that. So that's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. This is what comes to us, Satan brings to us through the eye gate. 85% of the information that we take in, we come in through the eyes. Think about that. Eighty-five percent of the information that comes into our brain comes in through the eye gate. The eye gate, the lust of the eyes. Did you see what Satan did? He brought him up to the pinnacle, up to that, uh, up to that high mountain, and he said, "Look out at all the kingdoms of the world." He says, "I'll give them all to you. I'll give you everything." Lust of the eyes, and then finally the pride of life. This is just pride, self, self-centeredness, self-promotion, self-protection. This is what he did at the pinnacle of the temple. Cast yourself down. Because if you do, you, I mean, hey, Satan knew he I think he had to go to the cross. He knew he would he would intervene. He knew he wouldn't die, but it wasn't the right time. This was not the, not the right way to do this. He Satan was coming to him and trying to 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 tempt him in the area of of the pride of life of self-centeredness, right? and self-absorption, self-protection. We see this in the area of pride. So here we have it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is what Jesus was attacked with, and this is how Satan attacks all of us. Why did I go through all of this? I really think this is the outline here of James chapter 4. Verses 1 through 10, the lust of the flesh. Now what we have tonight, the lust of the eyes. We're not going to get to this tonight, but it's going to be the pride of life. are going to be verses 13 to 17. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go into the city and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I, 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 I'm going to do this. pride of life. And we're going to see next week how we say, you know, we don't live that way. We say, if the Lord wills, it's up to God. He's in control, right? He may have other plans. We'll look at that next week. But tonight I want to look at the lust of the eyes. And the first thing I notice here in, in, in within verses 11 and 12, when we're talking about speaking evil one of another, you're going, speaking evil one of another, lust of the eyes. That's a stretch. Oh, stay with me. The first thing I want to notice here, I have is number one, or Roman numeral one, however you want to put it down, observation. Observation, lust of the eyes. We're talking about observation. Did you know that to speak evil of a brother and sister? And this is what we're talking about. We've dealt already with living like the world in the lust of the flesh. Now we're act, now we're talking about living amongst each other relationally like the world. And we're talking about speaking evil of a brother or sister in Christ. And to speak evil of a brother means that you have been observing their actions. you got to watch them. You're watching how they live. You're watching what they do. You're watching their life. You're observing them. Your assessment of their life, we're going to get through this a little bit, but your assessment of their life is coming in primarily Probably we could say 85% of the assessment is coming in through the eye gate. You're watching them live their life. But secondly, after observation, what you have is an opinion. You have formed an opinion from your observation. To speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ means that you had to observe their actions. You're watching over everything, and now you've formed an opinion. To speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ means that your opinion is now above God's opinion. Oh, you're going to have to stay with me on this. I know what you're thinking. Can I, you might want some explanation there. I came prepared for the question. I did. Matthew chapter 7. You can go there if you want, but you remember Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said what? Judge not that you be not judged. We're talking about forming opinions. We're talking about observing a life of a brother or sister in Christ and then a forming opinions of the life that you're visibly watching. Okay? And Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. And I know people love that verse. They love to throw that out there every time they're living in an ungodly and a wicked way. And you say, you know the Bible says, that." Judge not, judge not, judge not. They have that one memorized. Oh my goodness, they have that memorized so well, they can throw that out there like you wouldn't believe. And it is true. It is the word of God. We were, we were, we were, were uh, um, warned or, or uh, that we shouldn't judge. Why? Because uh, that we will be judged. Remember when Jesus talked about dealing with the the speck that's in your brother's eye, because you you shouldn't do that because you got a beam, you got a telephone pole sticking out of your own eye. And if you look at the end of that verse, what he's saying is, remove the telephone pole and then deal with the speck in your brother's eye. He's not saying don't deal with it. He's saying take care of your own backyard first. And when you got that taken care of, then you can deal with that little thing in, that you notice and that you are observing in your brother's eye. So, we are told not to judge, yes. But we're also told in John seven twenty four, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So, yes, we're told not to judge, but yes, we're told to judge. Okay, you're confused. Yep. righteous judgment righteous judgment. let me give you the back story on John on John chapter 7 there when Jesus said judge not according to parents if you go back to John chapter 5 we're at the pool of Bethesda and there's a lame man there that Jesus walks up to on the Sabbath day he's waiting for the stirring of the waters and Jesus heals him okay he heals him and he goes along and it was the Sabbath day and of course the Pharisees are kind of Mad, that's normal. They're mad at him for healing on the Sabbath day. And uh, he has been dealing with this now some time. When you get to John 7, we went through the book of John recently, but you get to John 7, time has moved on, okay? And the Pharisees are still mad at him in in John chapter 7. And so he's arguing with the Pharisees. He's Now he's just healed a man, who had, a, I think his hand was crippled, I think that was it, might have been, and, uh, and, and, and the Pharisees are mad at him about this, and he says, why are you still mad? Okay? He's arguing with the Pharisees, and he tells them this in John chapter 7, Moses gave circumcision, and he says, you will circumcise on the Sabbath, and to keep the law of Moses. So is it wrong to keep the law of Moses? And break the Sabbath? Your Well, their, what fell under their 613 laws and precepts, okay? Wasn't God's law. This, was, this is what man had added to it. But Jesus asked these Pharisees, is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? He says, you'll break one law while you're keeping another law. And that's okay. That's all right. Remember, he goes on another place. He says, the Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. Okay? And so, you know, wait a minute. He says, I, I, I healed a man, Jesus is saying. I healed a man. And it's just as okay to do good in healing a man as it is to keep the law of Moses and circumcision. Jesus was arguing with them that he was saying to do good on the Sabbath day, no matter what the good is, is okay. To do that on the Sabbath day. It's okay to break the Sabbath to do good. This is what Jesus is saying. So what he went on to say there in chapter 7 was, this is when, right after this, is where he comes and he says, judge not according to appearance. Observation. The eye gate. You don't know the whole story. You're just visibly, you're watching something and you're making an assessment. You're making a judgment. Jesus goes on to say, right after this, judge righteous judgment judge according to righteousness if you're going to judge what is, that? What, what, what is righteousness? what is he saying here? judge according to the word of God no that's righteous judgment because when you judge according to the word of God who is actually doing the judging but the word of God and not you you see that? You see, there, there, there's nothing wrong with There's nothing biblically wrong with doing good on the Sabbath. Jesus was saying, and actually, if you go on another place, he says uh, you'll pull the ox out of the ditch on the Sabbath if, the, if you need to. You will break the Sabbath. What were they doing? They weren't judging righteous judgment. They were judging. They're making judgments according to appearance. And according to their own misunderstanding and misrepresentation of the word of God. And what what Jesus was saying here, watch this. Just line up your observations with the word of God. Judge righteous judgment. Now watch this. So to speak evil of a brother or a sister is to come to a conclusion on what you've observed alone. to speak evil of a brother or a sister in Christ, you have made an observation and you've come to a conclusion not based on the Word of God. Not based on the Word of God. You've come to a conclusion based upon your your own observation. And this judgment, that's just speaking evil. That type of judgment you're doing right there, when you're just observing and making a judgment according to somebody that's not based upon the Word of God, that's evil. You're just speaking in evil. This puts, watch, this puts your opinion above God's opinion. Notice this also to speak evil of a brother or a sister in Christ is to speak evil of the law. Look at verse 11 again. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. Speaking evil of the law. Now I know you're aware where we are reading tonight, aren't you? James. I'm pretty sure you're aware of this. It's the New Testament. You're probably very well aware that the law has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So the question has to come up, what is God speaking of here? What law? You see this? You speak evil of the law and judge the law. Well, what law is He talking about? You can go back to James chapter 2, would you please? James chapter 2, look at verse 8. Look what James says. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Yeah. What is the law? Which law is James talking about over here? Down a little down a little. There we go. A little little lower. Perfect. Awesome. We have some great essential workers here. I like that. Are we good? We on? All right. I gotta start over. That messed me up. I'm joking. I won't do that. <laughs> okay. Where were we? We're in verse eleven. What law? We looked at James. 2 and verse 8, we looked at the royal law, the law of love. We looked at John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, Jesus said, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So this is the law of love. We're not talking about the Old Testament law here. The Bible says, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to end the law, I came to fulfill it. Okay. Jesus, Jesus elevated the law beyond the dotted I's and the cross T's and he anchored the whole thing in love. This is the royal law. This is the law that James is talking about. This is the law of love. It didn't do away, no, the law of love, the law of Jesus Christ it didn't do away with the Old Testament law. It fulfilled it and it elevated it to a higher position. This is why the act of adultery has been moved to the mind by Jesus. Not just the act, it's it's in the mind. This is why tithing was moved to giving. <laughs> we weren't bound by a 10%. We were released from 10%. So praise the Lord, now you can do 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40%. Oh, I know. I ruined you some, some theology there. No, this is love. And watch, watch, just like our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ... The life of a believer is marked by love. It should be. Now let me bring this around. Don't miss this, please. When you judge your brother, when you speak evil of your brother or sister in Christ, when your observations bring opinions outside of the Word of God, you are not operating in love. You are moving outside of the law of love which can only be an attack on love. Look at verse 11 again. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. You're attacking the law of God. Observations observations with those come opinions I'm talking about the lust of the eyes and what comes after opinions number 3 it's in our text here is judgment judgment when you speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ and it's not according to the word of God it's not rooted in the law of love you've now become a judge you you're a judge you're judging, you're judging the law in verse 11. And when you become judge, you're no longer obeying the law. There it is again in verse 11. Thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And when you become the judge, you have usurped the authority of the judge. Look at verse 12. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? We're talking about judgments that are based only on observations and opinions that are not rooted in the Word of God, that are not righteous judgment, evil speaking. And we'll look at that just in a minute. But we, when we bring this all together, So when you become the judge, you have usurped the authority of the judge. Observations, opinions, and judgment. So you may be asking tonight, how does speaking evil of a brother or sister fall under the the attack of the lust of the eyes? Well, number one, when Satan... Showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Think about this. He brought him high enough to see it all. To observe everything. Everything that Jesus was being attempted with at this temptation was through the eye gate. But there's no way he could have seen all of it. No, there's 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 no way. He could see every last bit of it. And you and I can't either. You can't see what's going on in somebody's heart. You can't see what's going on in somebody's home. You don't see what's going on in somebody's prayer life. You don't see, or or lack thereof, you don't see what's going on. All of You can't see it all. We are limited in what we get in somebody's life through the eye gate. But Satan puts it as if, watch this, he will bring the temptation as if, like well, yeah, we know. I know. I see what's going on there, and you know what from the from the one percent of uh, that I've seen of their life, I know everything they're doing. do we ever? Yep, yeah, we have those times, don't we? We just think we know all, everything that's going on. And yes, I understand. Sometimes fruit bears itself out, and sometimes we can be right. But I'm talking about the idea of temptation. I'm talking about speaking evil of a brother and a sister in Christ. I'm, I'm talking about judging a brother or a sister in Christ outside of the word of God. Everything Jesus was being tempted with was, was coming through the eye gate. Number two, watch this. When Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world, although Satan is the prince and the power of the air, although he does have uh, some authority over the world, he still had no authority really to give it all away. You see what he's doing? He's out of his jurisdiction. When Satan tempts us with things with the eyes, he promises us things he can't even give us a lot of times. He promises, he shows us things that we don't completely see. He promises us things we can't, he doesn't have all of the authority to give. He was, he was, and and I really believe this, he was offering something that he really wasn't going to give it up anyway. I think it was a big lie. How much of what Satan tempts us with is is just a big, fat lie? Well, that looks good. Remember when Eve took a bite of that fruit? The Bible says she saw that it was good for food. She couldn't see all of it. She she couldn't understand everything that was going to... Well, she was told. She didn't believe it. But Satan is the father of lies. He's a liar from the beginning. Yeah. So he makes it look like through the eye gate that we can see everything that's going on. Really, we can't. He makes it look like that uh, he can give us things that he really can't. And thirdly, when Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world, there was that one caveat to bow down and worship me. That's what Satan wanted. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be God. Remember when we were in Isaiah? He says, I will ascend unto the Most High. I will make my throne. I, 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 I. I, I will be like the Most High God. Remember that? It's been his goal. It's been his desire. To be God. And this is the goal of the lust of the eyes. To see it, to act like you're in charge, and to become your own God. You speak evil of your brother, you're you're watching their life, you're observing their life. You've made an opinion like you're the judge. And then you become a judge instead of a doer of the law like you ought to be. And this is what we're doing when we're speaking evil And judging a brother and a sister unrighteously. Unrighteously. Observation, opinion, pass a judgment. So let me ask you tonight do you find yourself speaking evil of a brother or sister in the body of Christ? It's easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know what I think we have here? Pretty pretty clear admonition here is, stop it. Just cut it out. You don't understand, they irritate me. Yeah, I know. People irritate me and I irritate people. You know if you're moving in love and it's the word of God that is pointing out the problem you can go to that individual and you know when your heart is in love and you're concerned for that individual and you want to see them uh, 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 you want to see them come to maturity in Christ in some area of their life and you know what? you're probably not complaining and, and and speaking evil of them and judging them you're probably praying for them he probably coming to them with the Word of God. Remember, Priscilla and Aquila came to Apollos to show more, uh, more perfectly the things of God, the Word of God. He had some things right, and he had some things wrong. And Priscilla and Aquila were concerned about his doctrine. That they came and they took him aside, and you had to know it was in love. I'm, we're, we're not, we're not by any means saying that we don't. Uh, uh, admo- admonish one another and edify one another to walk um, more rightly in the word of God. That's not what we're saying. But when you just find yourself speaking evil one of another, <laughs> yeah, judging one another outside of the word of God, and that's probably one way you can, re- you know, you can probably mark it down that your your judgment is outside of the word of God is because you probably won't go to Him with it. You won't go to them privately and say, "Oh, you know, I think the Word of God says this." You know, when you're just judging and speaking evil, you know, you don't say a word to them usually. <laughs> you just talk about them. No, no, we're all guilty, folks. We're all guilty. Yeah. See, if you're just saying mean and nasty things because you don't like them, stop it. Stop it. You can't see the whole story. You don't know everything going on. And you don't even have that authority to do that. Just cut it out. Yeah, if, if you're just saying evil things and passing judgment because you want to be in charge, knock it off. You don't have that authority. If God wanted you in charge, He'd put you in charge. I love the testimony of Brother Charles Elliott when he said, and I know of many, many other preachers and men of God that have said this very same thing. When God called me to preach, I didn't go ask anybody to preach. God knew where I was, and He had find somebody would find me, and I'd preach. Brother Charles Elliott gave testimony when he resigned his church, and uh, up in um, uh, up in uh, Louisiana, Missouri, because of his blindness. They moved to Springfield, and he spent, I think, seven months without a church to preach in because he went into evangelism. It's the only way he could preach. And he said, God told him to move here. God told him to do this. And he said, I knew God. I wasn't going to call anybody. Let him know. He says, boy, we got low on money. We got low on money, and finally somebody called. And he said, I hadn't missed a meeting since. That was probably, I don't know, 25 years, 30 years ago. So... Yeah. If you're just being evil, you're just judging because you want to be in charge. Just knock it off. If God wants you in charge somewhere, he'll put you there. I think I've just been full of understatements of the century. But I think God is aware. The God who created it and spoke it all into existence probably knows where you're living today. I'm pretty confident he knows where you're at. And if he's put a call on your life, yeah, I think he's aware of that also. What we have been called to do is to love one another. Love one another. 1 John 4, 7, 8, Beloved, uh, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Him that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. God is love. Ephesians 4:32 and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Can I tell you something? If we catch our when we catch ourselves speaking evil one of another, judging one another outside of the word of God, we are we are being a tool of Satan. His temptation is is in full bore (laughs) and he's coming at us, I, I think, here in the category of the lust of the eyes. And there's one ultimate goal that we have when we do this is the elevation of self. So let's not do that. What do you say? Let's be let let's be known a Calvary Baptist church as a church that loves one another, prays for one another, speaks kindly of one another, and according to the word of God, if we have a problem with somebody, we go to them and we deal with that face to face and deal with it that way. But let's not ever be known in the city of Nixo or anywhere else as a church that is a backbiting, backstabbing, evil speaking, judgmental group of people. It's a it's a it's a horrendous testimony, and it just hurts the body and it gives Satan an advantage. We don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to do that. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. If there's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight.